All right, guys. Well, uh, if you will open up your Bibles to Ephesians 4, um, we're going to spend uh, one last day there. And so we're going to spend some time in Ephesians 4, verse, uh, so we're going to start at verse 17. And um, I want you to, t- I, before we kind of dive into this, I want you to know, and, and if you're following along and you're doing fill in the blanks, if you've got our notes or any of that stuff, uh, we're just going to go right into the first one here. And it says, what is birth in us today many times does not produce fruit until a later time in our lives. I want you to know that. Okay, I want you to know that as we start something today, many times it doesn't actually come out to be something until much, much later. And so as we're going to talk about this, because here's where the, today's title is, Change Your World. Okay, so taking, and taking your life and changing it it doesn't happen overnight. I want you to know is that, uh, and, and it's clear as day, that God does not sell microwaves, right? He doesn't provide microwaves. He, God's, a, God's a provider of crockpots. And so if you've ever had anything, if you've ever had stew out of the microwave and compare that stew to something that cooks in a crockpot for eight hours, you know, and somebody's loved it and somebody's done some stuff, that it's going to take a little bit, it, it, it tastes so much better out of the crock pot after eight hours than it does from the can that you pour it into and put it into the microwave. It's just, that's just a fact that we all know. And so anything that's going to happen in our lives, if we're going to change it and we're going to change the world around us, it's going to take some time and it's going to take some simmering and it's going to take some time to where the flavor gets to marinate into what we're doing. And the reason why I bring this up is because Today we're going to start talking because Paul's very clear on the things we should do and shouldn't do, and it starts right here. It, it just kind of starts doing this, and, 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 and it starts in this process as you go. And so we're just going to dive right into verse 17. It says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now, I want to stop there for a second. Very, very clear don't continue to live the way that you lived in the past, right? As simple as that. Don't continue to live the same way that you were living in the past. You have to be moving forward. You have to start doing things differently. Now, this represents the Gentiles because there was this huge separation between Gentiles and Jews. But what we're talking about is in our lives, as we start to make this shift, we cannot continue to look back and go, well, that was so much fun. I want to go back to it. I want to go back into that world. I want to go back into this. I want to go back into that mindset. And then it, and it says they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Woo! How hard is your heart? How hard is your heart? Because you, you know, we're not just talking about the heart attack hardness that's in there, the calcium that's building up in your veins because of our poor diets. We're talking about how our lives, how we produce these lives that, are, that, are, that we've started to harden our hearts from God, right? As God is going, I let me in, let me have a relationship with you, let me do life with you, let me be part of your life, you continue to put calluses, you continue to put up these, these walls around your heart and you've hardened it and you've turned it, into this, this, you've turned it into this place where God doesn't have any access or any 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 ability to become into your life and start to do something in it and, and and it's literally because your ignorance of the love that he's trying to share to you it's it's our ignorance of it and it says 
having lost all sensitivity, that they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. All right. So now think about this. Think about some of us, we have these checkered pasts, some of these, we have these pasts that we look at and go, all right, some of us, we were alcoholics. Some of us, we were drug users. Some of us, we were, we were gamblers. Some of us, we were chasing after whatever it was. Some of us, we were after the love of money. Some of us were after these things, and we continue to pursue it and pursue it and pursue it and pursue it. I mean, think about it. When you talk to people, what does everybody say? What's the first question that comes out of somebody's mouth when you start to have a conversation with them and you start this small chatter? It always ends up with, what do you do? What do you do in this world? What, how, and really that question is, how much money do you make? That's really what that question is. It, you know, so when somebody goes, what do you do? And you go, I work at such and such place, automatically in their mind... They've already associated a pay level with it. They've already said, well, you make this amount of money, or you do this thing, or you do this, or you have this level. And so they've already come up with a mindset of going, you're not worthy of the respect or what I'm going to show you here. I've already put it at this level. And see, that's where our mindsets have to have this complete shift. It's because instead of going, like when we asked, I used to ask this question here at church. I used to ask, I said, what do you do here? What do you do here? And people would go, I don't do anything here. And we go, we got to change that. we got to get you volunteering, doing something. Because all of us are supposed to be ministers. So what are you doing here? What are you doing for the kingdom of God? What are you doing with God? Instead of pursuing these earthly things, because that's what we're so trained to. We're so trained to pursuing the earthly greed. We ask you, what do you do for a living? So that way we can go, well, how can I put you into my association of people and I can call upon you when I need this or I need that or I need this or this is how much money you make. And so I know that I can call you if we're going to do this trip or that trip or we're going to do these things. But it's just simple as that. We, 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 we class people and we don't talk about this, right? We don't talk about going, hey, people live in this class or this class or this class. But we class people. We do. And if we really get down into it, we class people by race. We class people by these things. You know, and, and, and we have these whole, these whole changes based upon our personal preferences and our greed. That's just what it comes down to. Our personal preferences and our greed and just this impurity that lives within our hearts that we're not allowing God to come in and actually change. Now, I want you to know this as well, as we're kind of diving into this, it is possible to finish a book of the Bible as you're reading through this, and you can finish the Bible and not know its final direction, it's the final decision in your life in the final direction. It is possible for you to be able to go through and finish the Bible, and I have a complete, that's a typo by me again, but you can finish the Bible and not know the final decisions that you're going to make as moving forward. And the reason why is you're going to go through this, our scripture is alive. You'll read it today, and tomorrow it will actually be something completely different. You'll read it today, and depending upon the circumstances, how things are happening in your life, you will find something completely different. At our house, I have a five-year journal, right? I, it's just, a, and it's literally two lines. And it really, all I write in is the scripture I read that day and what it meant to me. That's all I do. It's, you know, it's, it's a book about that, about that fat, and it's maybe an inch, inch and a half. And I, I mean, it's literally just for me to be able to go, this is what it meant to me. And so sometimes I'll refer to it back a year ago, two years ago, I'll open it up and I'll go, 
and I'll look at where I was and look at what God says to me later into it. And so I, I just look and I go, man, I look at the growth. I look at how I've seen things. And sometimes I even question how I was in that spot two years ago. I look and I go, where did I even get that from? How did I see that? How did that happen? And so know that the scripture is different. So you're not going to get this final decision as you're diving into this. You're not going to make any final decisions, but we should start making progress and changing our lives. <laughs> Verse 20, that however is not the way of the life you heard when you heard about Christ, taught him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So here's what Paul's saying. Hey, you know what you're supposed to start doing now. It's really what he's saying. You've been taught this. You've been taught these things. Now start doing it. It wasn't one of these things that he came out and said, hey, you, I, you're not going to be able to make a final decision here, but you need to start this progress. You need to start moving in this new direction. It says you were taught with regard to your former way of life. How many of us, if you just think about this, here at home, how many of us in our past would you look back and go, I don't want to go back to that former way of life because I don't like the person I was. I don't like this. I don't like any of these things. That former way of life, you had a wake of destruction for many of us. Many of us, you could look back and you could go, I, I mean, <laughs> you might even think that it's funny, right? You might even look back and you go, there's some things in my life. So I just want to be clear. I want to be real clear. I was a heathen, right? I was a heathen. There, there's no if, ands, or buts in my 20s. So when I left church, when I was about 17, I left church in this position of going, I ran. Like, I ran to the opposite doors. I was like, I got to get out of here. I can't, do, I can't continue doing this anymore. And, and so I went in a whole different direction. And that direction led me to friends that were toxic for me. And, and the other thing it led me to was it led me to alcohol. And so I drank. And when I, I used to use the excuse... Uh, I used to say this, and so some of you, don't, uh, please don't take offense to it. I, I, I just said this. I said, I, you know, people would go, Mike, you, you might be an alcoholic. And I go, no, 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 I'm not an alcoholic because alcoholics go to meetings, right? You know, and so I would, you know, but I didn't associate myself that way. I just looked at it and said, no, I'm going out and I like to have this. I like to go out and drink. I like to, and it affected everything that I did. There was times where I'd be out until 2, 30, 3 o'clock in the morning, and then I'd still go to work at 7 o'clock in the morning. And so I'd still be like, I was working through a hangover. I was working through sometimes still intoxicated. I'd be like showing up and be like, whew, man, I'm going to go to my office for a while today. And I'm just going to go sit there and, uh, and try and stew in what I've got going on. And so what I'm, the reason why I bring this up is because there was lots of things that I did in those times in the evenings, right? We'd laugh about it, be like, Hey, you remember that time that we were out doing this while drinking and someone so rolled down the hill, broke both of his arms and one of his legs? That literally happened, by the way. I mean, like, there was no joke about it. Like, and he had to still crawl to the police officer that watched him do it all the way down the hill. It's funny, right? But it's not really funny to the person it happened to because we didn't talk for months afterwards. Like, months. He was like, you left me. They're like, dude, the police were down there. I don't know. I'm not going down there. You know, see, see, like you're laughing, but because no good story, right? I used to say this too all the time. No good story starts out with, so we were eating salads. You're right? It, 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 so we were eating salads and all of a sudden we were in Vegas. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, we were eating salads and then I went home and went to bed at 730. That's where it starts out with. That's how it ends up at. 
But so I used to say those things. And so we look back and we go, we want to go back to that old life because that old life seems like it's fun. Like we look back and we go, I remember doing this stuff. I remember doing that stuff. There's, there's this path of destruction behind us. There is this wake that we have done some things and we look back and we go, oh my God, what was wrong with me? What was I thinking? What was happening here? And so <laughs> I see some people nodding their heads in agreement like, oh yeah, I, I remember all that. See, here's the problem though, is that by, by pure definition, scripture is telling us, it says right here, put away all of that. Stop living that way. Start moving into new. So you've been taught something new in Jesus. You were taught something new. You were taught to love. You were taught to, to, to put away that former life and to move forward into the new life. You were taught to put away your old self. Yeah, you look back at your old self and you go, man, there were some fun times. But I bet there were some times where you look back and go, why did I do that? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Now, I will tell you that every one of the things I experienced in my life led me to where I'm at today. So I'll tell you is that if I, if I didn't work at a bar, I wouldn't have met my wife. It's just simple as that. You know, it just wouldn't have worked out that way. And if I, if I wouldn't have gone and done the path that I did, I wouldn't have been where I'm at today. I needed the experience. I needed the past. I needed all that to get me to where I'm at today. And so all of you need that same thing. You need the past. You need all of the things that have happened to you because guess what? You're now relatable to somebody else who's still in that toxic past that you were in. You're, you're relatable to that. Now, all of a sudden, like for me, it easily becomes something for me to be able to go and minister to somebody who was an alcoholic and have that conversation with them and go, look, there is a better way. For some of you, you have been, you've come to drugs or you've come from this. You've come from a past of, of whatever the addiction was or whatever the toxic behavior of the past was or the hurt that you have experienced or the hurt that was inflicted upon you. You can help somebody else who's going through that exact same thing get to the relationship of going, Jesus, I want this new life. I want this new beginning. And this is what Paul is teaching us. He says, put off your old self, which is corrupted by your sinful desires, your deceitful desires. That's where our life is. We, we look back and just go, just think about this. You go, all oh, these deceitful desires. We had good stories back then, right? Laughs, jokes, things that you look back and go, I remember this, I remember that. You know, there's a, there's a I can't remember the, I think it's A-G-R, right? A-J-R, right? It's uh, the group, and the song is, he, he talks about, he goes, I, I remember when I got two broke thumbs, <laughs> right? Because he's talking about every day, he's turned about one of these things, but as, as you have two broken thumbs, we can go look back and go, man, I love those days back then, but do you remember the pain? Do you remember the hurt that you went through? Do you remember all those things that you went through? And see, it's like, it's a deceitful desire. It's deceitful. You go, man, those, those times were good. But man, what about that time where you woke up in a place that you shouldn't have been? What about that time that you were at this place or that time that you got arrested or that time that this happened because of what was going back? It's a deceitful desire. It's, it's deceitful because you're like, oh, I see something completely different than what the reality was. And, and that's what ends up being there. It says to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on your new self, to be create, you were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So those two words, righteousness and holiness, often are associated with one another, right? And the reason why they're often associated with one another 
is because of this scripture right here, right? Because what is righteousness to you? What, is, what do you see there? And when you see the word holiness, so I grew up Catholic, and being in the Catholic church, you hear holiness, and you think of certain areas, you think of certain places, this is holy ground, this is hallowed ground, this is this, right? This is, you, so you think of that. But holiness, the, the, just the simplistic de definition of holiness means to be set apart. To, to just, all you are is like, I mean, so if we had, I, I, I wish I had, a, I, I should start getting better with some optical illusions, but if we, or illusions, we, we should just have optics, not illusions. We should, you know, and so if we had four bottles of water here, and I took one bottle, just put it off to the side, that one is different, that one is holier. It is. And, and how do we treat it? What do we, tr what do we do with it? Maybe we put a different label on it. Maybe we do something different to it. It would be set apart. That's the simplistic definition. Now, righteous, righteous is different. That word righteous means to be above, right? You know where we say, it, it, like Jesus, so we talk about do not sin in your anger, right? You ever heard that? Don't sin in your anger, because we all get angry. But, and, and like I used to say this, I said, it's, it, it, flipping tables is okay. Jesus flipped tables, you know, so I can't, you can't get mad if I come into the living room and flip over the coffee table because we're arguing, right? Well, that's a problem, isn't it? If, if that happened, you'd be like, hey, what's going on? Because your anger is not a righteous anger. Your anger is your flesh. A righteous anger is because of an injustice, a, a something that's happened. You are, you are above that. You're above that, that, that level or whatever. So when you start to look at it and my righteousness is above my past, the negativity that I've had. And that's what it's representing you, a righteousness. Why are you doing it? Like these people, like, so we have all this stuff that's happening when it comes to abortion. And, and so when you start to see this, you have people that are going around going, this is what my righteousness is about here. So, and I want you to know, and I'll be, I'll be clear. I'm not going to tell you where I land at on the side of abortion, because if I tell you one way, then all of a sudden I'm against everybody else. If I tell you another way, then all of a sudden I'm against everybody else, right? But what I will tell you is that people have to make difficult decisions, right? I will tell you this, and I will tell you that when somebody's made that decision here in California, they go to a Planned Parenthood, it's right over here, and if you've ever driven by this Planned Parenthood, on a day, on a, you see people out there that are protesting, right? They're out there with these signs. And they're saying you're going to go to hell. And they, they, there's all kinds of stuff that's out there. And I can tell you that the position of the church needs to be, we need to be out there with blankets and support and, and wrapping people up and going, God loves you. Right? That's what, it, you know, they've already made the decision. If they walk into Planned Parenthood, it's already over. They've already made the decision what they're going to do. And so we have to make sure that we are loving. And now, I will tell you, <laughs> and you can figure it out on your own, kind of what my position is. I believe what the Bible says. So you can figure it out. Just study the word and you'll know exactly where I'm at when it comes to those things. So any of those things you ever go, where does Mike land at? Mike lands what the scripture says. So you can figure that out from there. But, so you're trying to be like God in righteousness and in holiness. That's our job. We want to be set apart like God and we want to have this, and we want to be righteous like God. We want to get to that point. We want to have this. I want you to know that shortcuts never pay off in the long run. Shortcuts never pay off in the long run. So if you think that you're going to get from point A to point B by taking the long way around by doing it your way, hey, I'm sorry. 
This is going as I'm making it up right now, guys. I mean, you know, you got to understand. It's like my notes are completely different than what they usually are. So if you look at this, you're going to be like, what is going on up here? And so when you look at this, your shortcuts will never pay off. When you're trying to get from here to where God wants you to be, you cannot go in a zigzag direction and think that you're going to get there faster. Sometimes you're going to have to put in the work. But I want you to know is that you'll never be all that you can be unless you embrace the process. You have to embrace the process. Here's the thing. Uh, if you think about this in a, in, a, in a health mindset, so take this and go, and if you want to be healthy, right? If you go, hey, I want to lose weight, I want to do this, there is a process for it, right? You cannot, <clears throat> and I've learned this the hard way, right? And the reason why, I, you should know something, is that over the last eight weeks, I've lost almost 40 pounds, right? You know, maybe more than that now. You know, it's like a... <laughs> but <laughs> I've had to embrace the process a little bit. And what does that mean? Is that, so when I first started, when I first started this journey, I love, you have to know something, I love sweets. <laughs> love them. Like, it is like the worst addiction possible. I, I would say I'm addicted to sugar, but I'm not addicted to sugar because if it, it could be fake sweetener, and I love it. I was like, oh, it could be, it, like I had a brownie yesterday that was made out of, I don't know what they call this thing. It was like, it, it, it wasn't a brownie. It was a fake brownie. It was like a gelatin type of thing. It was weird. But I was like, mm, this is pretty good. It was terrible. But I was like, this is pretty good. <laughs> you have to embrace it. Like every time I eat one of these things, like I eat these protein bars and I go, mm. <laughs> because I don't know how you eat that thing. I go, I'm embracing the process. In my mind, I'm embracing because every time I get on the scale, it's going down right? It's not going up. It's, and, and so I could easily change that and I could go zigzag, right? Because every, every morning I could go, you know what? I'm going to change the process from what I know that is working and I'm going to start having donuts and coffee again in the morning, right? Right? Because if I did that, <laughs> we changed the process. It no longer works anymore. It no longer, all of a sudden, my, right now, I, my, my calorie day, my calories at that point would start off at some massive deficiency, right? I'd be like, hey, like, well, I'd have plenty of calories, and I would have to be going, okay, how do I work off my chocolate donut and my, my I, love, I love coffee. We have a coffee shop. I love coffee. Like, I love espresso. I love having mochas. I love lattes. I love all of those things. Did you know that a, mo a mocha is 640 calories? <laughs> I know, because I can't drink them anymore. So, <laughs> so... Uh, it happens to be one of my favorite ones. And I want to add caramel drizzle on it. That's another 100 calories on top of that bad boy. All of a sudden, one drink has taken up all my calories for half the day. And I go, I, well, that's not going to work. We have to embrace the process, right? So here's the thing. Uh, I know too many people. Like, Have you guys noticed this right now? Just have you seen this? And so some of you guys that are a little older, you'll start noticing. Have you started seeing that all these famous actors that are in their 60s and 70s have just started dropping off like flies. It's like, just like, like what's going on? Why, you know, like in the last three weeks, I've seen like nine of them have dropped, and I'm like going, in their 60s and 70s, I don't want to be that dude. Not that I'm a celebrity, but I don't want to just one day be like, oh, 65, and I'm dead. I don't want that. But it'll happen if I continue having a BMI that's greater than 40. Right? That's just how it works. That's just how it is. So what do I have to do? I have to trust the process and move forward. It's the same thing that God is asking you to do Trust the process. Trust the process and move forward. Now, here's the When you trust the process, <laughs> you, you gain hope. 
right? When you start looking at it and you start trusting the process, you go, I hope that I'm going to be different. I hope that things are going to change. I hope that this is, and I, and I see this hope that's going to happen. So hope has two beautiful daughters though, anger and courage, right? Because I will tell you now, <laughs> I get angry when I can't eat certain things. I do. I, I, like I just, I'm using my diet, for example. I get angry when I can't do certain things. I get angry when I can't go out and, and act the way that I want. I get, there's just anger in it. There is. There's, I mean, I get angry while driving, and some of you are driving around with me because some of you can't drive. You know, I get angry. It just happens that way. And now you might be saying the same thing about me. You might be following me and go, this guy can't drive. What's, you know, I'm, I, but you get angry. It happens. See, what happens is, is that often we get angry with the way that things are, right? We get angry with the way that things are. We, we get angry about how our life is going. We get angry about how things are moving forward. We get angry about how things are. We, it's like we struggle through things. Like if you're, if you're, if you have, if you're, if you're using hope and if you want to start making the most amount of catalyst in this and so you go, hey, I want to start losing weight, be angry about the size that you're at. Be angry about the size that you're at. If you're angry at the size that you're at, you'll change it. You will. You'll, you'll, you'll start changing what's happening. If you're angry about the circumstances you're in, you'll change them. See, that hope will create anger in the, in the situation that you are. Right? Wherever you are, whatever the things are going, that anger will help you change it. And then the second thing it was, it will do is it will give you a, cur a courage to make a difference. So if you're angry and you have that hope and you're going, I can, hope, I know that things will be different. I know that I can change things. You can literally have the courage to make a difference here. So let's dive back into scripture. In verse 25, it says, therefore, each of you must put off the falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Stop lying. And we must, and for all of us are members of one body. So the church whether it's the Edge Community Church or the church down the street or any other church, we're all members of one body. One body. So Jesus was very clear to Peter. He said, take care of my sheep. He never said, I'm giving you your own sheep. He said, take care of my sheep. And so we have to remember that we're all part of one body and we have one head of the church. Now we're having to be given, we have to be put in, in positions of leadership over flocks, but it's, it's, they are all, they all belong to Jesus. And that's where we have to have this mindset and we have to make sure. So for we are all members of one body <laughs> in your anger, do not sin. A situation, don't fire off. You know, uh, why? Cause you're probably going to say something that you wish that you could go, please send back. Give me that back now. You know, don't hit reply all to an angry email. You send it to everybody. It becomes very difficult to get it back. And so, and then here's the thing. This is an important thing. So in biblical times, do you know when the day starts? The day, the day starts at sundown. So if today, tomorrow in Jewish tradition, to, tomorrow starts today at about 8 p.m. That's how it works. And so when you start seeing a sabbath that starts happening or something like that so when you celebrate your sabbath it should happen from 8 p.m until until sundown the next day it, it, it should be sundown to sundown and the reason so if you think about this that's the, the if you're angry about something you're having a fight at home or whatever and the sun goes down it's it's over no more anger because literally in scripture it says do not let the sun go down while you're still angry 
Do not start another day while you are start ang- you're still angry. Do not, do not go into tomorrow with anger. That's what it's telling you. Don't start your next day while you're angry. And, and, it's, and why? Because you're giving the devil a foothold then. If you go to sleep angry, how do you think your dreams are? Angry dreams, right? But, <laughs> anybody ever experienced this? I woke up one morning. Melissa gets up. She looks at me, and you can just tell. I, I can see here. In, instantly, I can see when she's angry. Like, I'm like, oh, what happened? Like, <laughs> she's like, so mad at you. I don't know what would What happened? She's like, in my dream. Wait, wait a minute here. Something I didn't do? You dreamed about this? In my dream, you did this, and whatever this is. I'm like, hey, wait a minute here. You got me, you got me confused. I didn't do anything. That's your imagination, your brain working through those things, not mine. I didn't do those things. See, so so obviously she went to sleep angry at me. So she was already mad about something else and woke up and was like, ooh, he did this. And wait a minute, I didn't do anything. That's what happens. Don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. I know. <laughs> Welcome to the edge. Where you're going to leave here today going, I can't steal anymore. I can't. <laughs> you must not steal any longer, but must work doing something useful with your own hands, and they must, and they, so that they may have something to share with who? With those in need. Why? Because we're called to help one another. We're called to go out and work. We're called to go out and do things. Why? So we can help one another. See, here's the thing. Scripture is telling you, do not be selfish. Stop being stingy. Stop being, stop being those people that are going, I'm going to have this tight hold of money and make it to where I don't give. I don't help one another. I don't take care of my neighbor. I don't do these things. Because over and over and over again, you see Jesus tells you to be generous. Give the shirt off of your back. Give, give things away. Help people. Do something, have something to share with those in need. Number 29, or verse 29, number 29. I, it says 29 here is what happened. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So here's the thing. Not according to how you feel about the situation. <laughs> according to their needs. And so here's what it is. If you, so, and, and I come from a background of retail, so this gives me, uh, it's very difficult, because I used to have this famous line, and if you ever got called in my office and I'd tell you, hey, you're getting a promotion today, it wasn't good. It, it wasn't a good promotion. It was like, hey, you're being promoted to customer. And they'd be like, what? Uh, yeah, you're being promoted to customer. You're in charge now. And so, but that was the line that I would share, and it wasn't helping them to be a better employee. It wasn't helping, it wasn't coaching them. It wasn't developing them. It was me literally using them to further the needs of our business. That's what was happening. And so, I, and so what we have to do is we have to get better at seeing what's good in people and helping to, to develop those needs. See, usually in a retail environment, I've made the decision who to hire, and so it's my fault. If I'm going to fire them, it's my fault because I didn't help develop them. I saw something in them I liked when I hired them. I saw, I was like, hey, there's something, I, there's, 
Like, I don't just hire people because they're like, oh, you got a pulse? Welcome, you're hired. You know, you know, I mean, I know that people do that, but we don't, I never did that. I always thought I could see something more in them. I, I used to have this mindset of going, if I can't see you being promoted to the next level, I can't hire you. If I can't, if, if I'm hiring, and so when I was hiring cashiers, if I couldn't see them being hired to CSMs, I couldn't hire them. If I couldn't see them being promoted to the next level, if I was hiring a CSM and I couldn't see them being promoted to an assistant, I couldn't hire them. That's just the mindset I have to have. And so we have to stop using people in order to, in, in order to go, well, no, I'm going to discourage you. I'm going to kick you out. I'm, gonna start, I'm just going to tear you down. We need to start seeing what we originally saw in people and help build them up from there and go, this is how I, this is how I move you from where you're at to where God wants you to be according to their needs, not, not, not the needs of your business, not the needs of whatever situation. You have to look at this and go, I'm going to help them move from where they're at to the next place. There's this company in Colorado that uh, they have a policy. And I can't remember their name, so I, you'll have to go Google it. But they have a, it's a, it's a well-known policy, and the policy is we don't fire anybody. They don't fire anybody. If you get a job there, you cannot get fired. You can't. Now, you can quit. You can, you know, like, if you stop showing up to work, you quit. You know, that's, that's what they say. You know, but, but you can't get fired. They, they, what they tell you is you're now part of the family. You, you can't be fired from here. That's just simple as that. So no matter how bad you are as an employee, they go, we'll either find you the right place or we'll, find, or we'll help you get to where you need to be at. And that's the mindset. That's how we actually have to be in church. That's how we have to be with everybody. We go, you can't fire your friends. Right? You can't fire your coworkers. You can't fire those around you. you like some of you are sitting at tables in here right now. You can't fire those people at the table with you. You can't be like, you're fired. You're not Donald Trump. You're not any of those things. You're not on The Apprentice. You can't be like, you're fired. No, it doesn't work that way. And so you have to help build them up. Help, you know, tell them what's useful. Help them grow from where they're at to where God wants them to be. You know, and see, here's the thing is that, and it's not in this scripture, but if you go back, you can look at this, the the power of your tongue has life and death, right? It, it, the repercussions of it, you have the, you have the repercussions of life and death with your tongue. You can kill somebody by what you tell them, and you can help build them up by what you tell them. And so if you tell them all the time, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, guess what? They believe that they suck. And if you tell them, hey, you're amazing, you're going to do amazing things, you're going to do great things, so what's going to happen? They start getting this mindset of going, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to do amazing things. The problem is, as parents... The first words we tell our children are no, and then we never tell them anything that they're doing well, and then we never offer true, you know, true constructive criticism to help them grow. We go, oh, you're amazing, or you suck, and there's no in-between. That's just kind of what it is. You, you see the one side of the argument is like, hey, tell your kids how great they are, tell them this, but then give them all these participation trophies and let them know there's no losers in life. Wait a minute. I've ran a race. Anybody in here ran a race? Anybody? I mean, have you ever ran a race? Like even just, in, you know, just against your friends, whatever. What happens? One person comes in what? What does everybody else come in? Last, right? The first, the second, second person is the first loser. That's what it is, right? That's just how it goes. Everybody else is last. But here's the thing. There are winners and losers in certain things. You can't be like, hey, everybody won. You know, like when you show up to a job interview, they don't just go, all of you are hired. We're only hiring for one person, but we're, we're, all of you are hired. You know, they don't do that. We have to let them know that there's some realities to this world, and we're not doing that, right? We're like, oh, you're amazing. And then the first job interview they go to, they go in, and they go, nope, you're not amazing. You got to go. And they go, oh, what do 
am I going to do? And they go sit in a coffee shop until they're 35 with this man bun, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And you're like, well, I don't know what we did. I don't know how we raised these millennials. Well, that's what you did. That's, you just told them you were amazing. And the first time they got shot down, they had to go rethink everything for another 18 years in a coffee shop. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander. Right here, this is like, for most of us, this is like, hey, get rid of all that bitterness. So that stuff that you feel towards this person or that person or, you know, whatever, get rid of all of that. Get rid of your rage, right? So like those rage rooms, they should just fail for Christians, right? You know, you just go in and like, I'm going to go smash up plates and all this stuff, and I'm going to go break a TV, and as I do that, I'm going to breathe in the toxic dust that they're talking about from breaking a TV. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's what's on the news today. I read the news a lot, and I'm like, toxic dust, rage rooms, uh, brawling. Look at this. They're, Paul's saying, stop fighting. Now, I, I want to give you a little precursor here, is that when you go back and you look at what was happening in Ephesus when he wrote this letter, things were not good. Right? Things were not good. So the church in Ephesus, when Paul wrote this letter, it was a little bit of chaos. It was not good. And so here's what he's saying. He's all, stop your fighting, because they were fighting. They were literally fighting. They were fighting over circumcision in front of the church. They were, they were fighting over things. They would literally go outside and be like, nope, you got to get cut. And, you know, they literally ball up their fists and start boxing one another. Like, like that's going to help people. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in a sleeper hold, and then we're going to take your pants down, and we're going to circumcise you. I know that I'm really crude sometimes, but... But that's how it was. They were fighting this way. It doesn't say that in scripture anywhere. I'm just making that up, by the way. So, no slander. Don't talk to anybody. And it says, along with every form of malice, it says, get rid of any anger, that anger that you're holding on to, all of that stuff. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. So, by the way, all of this, that's the hardest part right there. Because... He told us, he's all, if, I, if you get slapped, what are you supposed to do? Turn the other cheek. Let him slap you on the other side, too. Like, what? That's not what's happening. Right? You know, somebody comes up and slaps you, what do you what's your first thing to do? You're like, oh, well, those were fighting words. <laughs> you know, in fact, that's fighting now. And so you fear that that's fair game, right? You're not like, hey, let's get this side, too. But you could. You could be like, oh, when they slap you on the one side, you'd be like, oh, that was weak. Do the other side. You know, i, I got to walk around with at least two handprints. You know, it's got a match. You can't have me rosy red on one side and not the other. You know, I mean, you could have that. And people look at you kind of weird. You know, they, they do. They'd be like, oh, well, maybe I don't want to mess with this dude. You know, that's just how it goes. I mean, but you have to start thinking about this. Is that, that you were instructed to do certain things and you were instructed to forgive. So, so when somebody slaps you, the answer is forgive them. The, when somebody steals from you, the answer is forgive them. This is all things that we hold on to. If somebody steals from you, what do you do? You're like, you're never coming to my house again. You're a thief. You know, right? You're not forgiving them. You know, you don't forget. You don't go. Well, I didn't really need that anyway. Years ago, and maybe you saw this. A movie was called A Bronx Tale. Right? There was a great line in it, and I, it remembers because Robert De Niro sells it to the kid. I don't remember the kid's name, but as he's sitting there, as he's sharing with the kid, he, the kid goes, "I loaned that kid twenty dollars." Right? I gave that dude twenty dollars, and Robert De Niro's lying to him. Like, I'm trying to get my money back. He was like chasing him down the street or whatever. Like, I'm going to go get my twenty dollars back. 
Nero, real, real, it's just the perfect line here. And he goes, he's all, you know what you learned today by not chasing after him? He's all, that $20 was, was saving you the money that you don't have to, you knew what that friendship was worth to him. Right? That that friendship was worth $20 to him. Like, it's just think of it. Somebody steals from you, you know that that friendship was worth whatever they took from you. That friendship, that's what it was. So if they steal uh, your iPad, for example, your friendship's worth $400 to them. That's just what it is. Because you know that you're not going to talk to them anymore. You can forgive them. You're not going to invite them over anymore. You're not going to let them come kick it with you anymore. That's really what it is. You know now that the cost of whatever they stole was what your friendship was worth. And you just go, well, I valued it more than they did. And that's, that's, that's just different now. So you have to start thinking about it just a little differently. It's really a change in mindset. It's a change in perspective. And it's a change in doing things on how you move forward. So here's important. Really, really important. And so we talked about you're not going to change all this. Right at the beginning of this, I gave you the first thing. It says just because you start to, you, you start to have this mindset and go, but you're not going to change it in a regular, it's just not going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time, right? It may happen in a later season of our life. But here's what I want you to know. You cannot just be a Bible reader. You have to be a Bible doer, right? You cannot just be a Bible reader. You have to be a Bible doer. And so what that means is, I, I love this. Francis Chan has this amazing line, or he, this story. He tells his daughter, he says, go clean your room. And she looks and she goes, oh, I'm going to go clean my room. And she goes into her room and she spends all day in her room, all day long in her room. And she comes out and she goes to her dad and she goes, she goes, dad, I went into my room and I studied what you said. I studied, go clean your room. I can tell it to you now in Hebrew. I can tell it to you in ancient Greek. I can tell it to you in all these ways. I studied it. I know what you said. I, I, I have a complete understanding. But then there's a simple line. Francis Chan responds, but did you clean your room? No, no, no. I'm going to get to that one day. I told you to go clean your room. You came back and told me, I studied, go clean your room. That doesn't work. So you cannot just go and be a Bible connoisseur, right? You're like, hey, I can tell you everywhere all that's at in the Bible. I can go and I can tell you all oh, that's in this place or that's in that place. You can be a Bible reader, a Bible studier, you can tell it in Hebrew, and you can tell it in Greek, and you can do all that stuff. If you're not a Bible doer, then you're really just wasting your time. And so you should just know is that don't be just a reader, be a doer. Start doing these things. So as you see this and go, so don't let any, I mean, just go back to this, to start at verse 29, go back to this. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Do what is helpful for building people up. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for redemption. Don't be like, oh, woe is me, God, what are you going to do? Am I saved? Know that you're saved. You're saved. He said, hey, I'm going to do these things, and this is what's going to happen. Don't be bitter about your past. Get rid of the rage. Get rid of the anger. Be a doer. Start getting rid of it. Now, I already told you, it's not going to happen in a big, all at once, right? It's going to take some time. Things are going to take. You're not going to just go from today having rage issues to all of a sudden tomorrow, you're the most peaceful dude ever. They'll be like, what happened? No, it's going to take some time. You're going to have fits of rage. You're going to, that's what's going to happen. But you have to start getting through this. Get rid of the anger. Stop being angry. Why? Because it increases your blood pressure, makes it to where you're going to have a heart attack sooner anyway. So stop with that. You know, get rid of form, all forms of, uh, you know, of, of malice and don't be brawling and don't have slander for one another and be kind and compassionate and be forgiving. That's what he's saying. Don't just read these words. Actually do these words. Do this. Go out and do this work. Now, you also don't have to start big, right? 
Here's the thing. You don't have to start big, but you have to start. You don't have to start big, but you have to start. And so as you're moving forward, and as you start to do these things, you can't go in and go, hey, you know what, Mike? I'm going to get rid of rage. I'm going to get rid of my anger. I'm going to be compassionate. And all this is going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to do all of those things that you just said tomorrow. So what's going to happen tomorrow is that you're not going to complete all of those things. And what's going to happen is, is that then you're going to be angry at yourself. And you go, I don't even know why I try. So do you know that most people fail their New Year's resolutions by the sixth day of the year. You couldn't even make it a week. You're like, I'm going to lose weight this year. And you got six days in here, you're like, that donut looks so good. And you know, and you're ta- you dived into it. You know, that's just what happened. Most people can't make it more than six days. So the, the best thing to do is there's, a, there's a, a book, it's out there, it's called Atomic Habits. And so start small, do small things, and just try to improve yourself 1% each day. So just think about this. If you improved yourself 1% each day by the end of the year, you would improve yourself 365%. Simple as that. Just improve yourself one point, just one percentage point a day, right? So here, do you want to stop swearing? Say 1% less swear words every day. How do you do that? Just stop swearing, you know, and just make a conscious effort to go, I'm not going to swear anymore. And then tomorrow you'll, you'll be better, and the next day you'll be better, and the next day you'll be better. And finally, you'll get to the point where you're not doing it anymore. 1% better each and every day, and at the end of the year, you'll be 365% better if you started, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know. But if you start today, at the end of the year, you'll be like 90% better, which is probably better than where you're at now, right? Just simplistic. So here's what I want you to do. This is a big question. I should have gave you a little bit of room to write. But <laughs> ask yourself, why wouldn't you start? Why won't you start? What is preventing you from doing what the scripture tells you to do? What's preventing you to love people? What's preventing you from being generous? What's preventing you from not being angry? What's preventing you from not having unwholesome, mouth, uh, come out of your mouth, unwholesome talk come out of your mouth? What's preventing you from doing it? Why don't you start? What is it that you're so embracing about it? You're like, I love saying the F word. I'm, never gonna, I'm just going to keep doing it, right? You know, or I love this, or I love that, or I love this. I'm just not going to give this up. But clear as day, it, scripture says, stop with this. Stop being bitter about yesterday. Stop having rage. Stop having this malice. Stop having these things. Why would it be such a huge issue for us to start trying to be 1% better each every day moving forward? I, I, I just don't understand. And, 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 and here's the thing. When we started this, the title of today is Change Your World. How do you change your world? Change your world. Changing your world requires action. You have to start. You have to do things. So here's most, I talk to people all the time all the time. Like literally my son gets so mad about it. He gets so mad that I talk to people all the time. Like yesterday I was talking to somebody and he's like, dad, you don't even know that dude. I was like, my job is to talk to people, man. He's like, you don't know him. I go, but now I do. You know, now I know him. Now I see, you know, and so as I talk to people, like for this guy yesterday I was talking to, they're moving, you know, they're moving to Kentucky. And, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. They're not moving to Kentucky. We talked about Kentucky, but they're moving to Indiana. And as we're having a conversation, and he goes, he goes, you know, I'm just so tired of here in California. I want to make a change. I said, oh, is it the pricing? He's like, no, no, no I have a really good job. I was like, oh, how much money do you make every year? He's like, oh, I'm a supervisor for this electrical company, and we're bombarded by work for hospitals. I think I'm making like two twenty-five a year. I was like, I'm like, oh, okay. Do you have like a high house payment? What are you changing? He's like, no, my house payment is uh, 
He's like, I live over in Sassoon, and you know, we, we sold the house, but it, it, it wasn't that, you know, my house payment wasn't that bad. It was like 3500 a month. I said, 225 3500 that's cheap. And I was like, what are you doing? You know, like, hey, what's going on? You know, I was like, why, why are you leaving? And he goes, I just want to change. I just want to change. I want to do something. And he knew that that change required action. He was like, I need to get away from the political system here. I need to do this. I need to do that. And he, but <laughs> I will tell you something, and we all know this, is that sometimes, you ever looked at the neighbor's yard, and you go, man, it's so green over there. You know, it's like, it's got a, it's got a different perspective, right? You know, and so you go over, and then you're like, I want my lawn to be like the neighbor's lawn. I want that. I want, you know, and I want it to be green like that or whatever. But the neighbor could be looking at your yard going, I want that. You know, I want those things. And, and so you, I, I love the line that somebody's, I don't know who said it. I couldn't quote it. But you know where the, the, the grass is greener? Where you water it at, right? Where you water it. Where you water and you take care of it and you nourish it. So wherever you're at is probably where God wants you to be at. And he's entrusted you with some stuff. And he's asking you to start watering and start taking care of the soil and start taking care of what he's given to you to grow exactly where you're at. That doesn't mean that he doesn't want you to change things. He doesn't want you to move forward. That means starting to take care of it. So your body, your work, your thing, all these things, start taking care of it and start watering it. Start being the person that you, you know, start changing your world. Start taking all right, I've talked for a whole long time, and I apologize for that. Usually I want to try and get you out of here by now, but uh, I really wanted to finish up chapter four. We've been in chapter four for three weeks now, and so uh, uh, I kind of feel like I'm beating it a little bit, but it's been good. So uh, let's pray, and then uh, our worship team, actually we're going to do some giving, and then our worship team is going to lead us out in, uh, in, in worship, in song. So Father, thank you so much for today, and thank you so much for this opportunity for us to come back and start putting the rubber to the road and start putting the, some action to not only just uh, reading your word, but actually doing your word. You, you call us to go out and to, to, to be doers of what you've instructed us of, the model that you've lived for us, how to love, how to, how to help encourage people, how to continue to speak words of affirmation, how to, how to lift people up, but also how to do that without for us getting angry or getting frustrated or having these, just these mental blockages that prevent us from actually just loving the way that you've asked us to. And those mental blockages are often physical ones that we've put up, these, these barriers, this wall that we've created around our heart, that we've put in these calluses to prevent us from actually loving people and feeling and having, uh, having joy and happiness. And so help us rip down these walls and help us rip down these, this, and, and, and shed the calluses that are on our hearts so we can love and be generous and, and do the work that you've asked us to do. I ask the question, why don't we start? Why don't we just start 1% better today? Be 1% better tomorrow and 1% better the next day. Father, help us just start taking small incremental steps, producing these new habits that help us do the work that you've asked us to do. Father, thank you. And it's in your son, Jesus' name that we pray.